if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hire this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to MarcellaAlonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Get Schooled with Marcella Alonzo. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Molly. And Molly, I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell my audience a little about yourself. Um, I found you on um, YouTube and um, I loved your interview. I found you on Matt Collins um, uh YouTube and I, I was very like impressed with the way you interviewed so it was like I reached out to you and I'm so great grateful and glad you're here so thank you please introduce yourself and um, tell my audience who you are and uh, what you're about. Well hi there um, my I'm a stripper I go by Molly Mormon because I was Mormon until I entered the industry well actually I was Mormon um, for a few months after I, I entered the industry as well. And so I got into the industry about 29 years old, which is a little later. So I think that shaped a lot of who I am as a dancer and as a sex worker. Um, I work in Salt Lake City, Utah at a club called Trails. And and yeah, I've been on a lot of podcasts because people are very interested in that. I, I, I named my, da- my dancer name Molly Mormon, which in my culture growing up Mormon is like considered to be like the perfect Mormon woman kind of uptight by the rules, which, you know, there's a lot of rules in Mormonism, if you're aware of the religion. Um, And so I kind of got notoriety in that way. But also, I'm like a very acrobatic performer and have been in industry, let's see, like, eight, nine years now. And so that's a little bit about me. I love being able to talk about what I do. It's been super fun. And liberating to be able to discuss it on on this podcast and others so thanks for having me thank you so when you first got into sex work what was the um the reason that brought you to dancing other than other forms of sex um why did you choose dancing how did you find out about it and what um what was the reason behind that brought you in yes yeah so my story there is is kind of that I had been doing pole fitness you know which I think I felt drawn to that types of thing, you know, since, you know, like a teenager, I think since I was a teenager, I found erotic dance and in in movies or anywhere else I saw it just to be like, wow, I really want to do that. And I wish I could do that. And maybe that doesn't really align with like my religion, but like, you know, it's also not against my religion. So I felt very drawn to that. And so I'd been doing that for a few years had really enjoyed it you know it was a great way 
to be able to exercise and have fun. And that really helped my mental health. And so um, what ended up happening is I got, a, I was, got divorced and I was a single mom and, a, you know, I wasn't getting any support from the dad at that time. And so I realized that I couldn't keep up doing pole fitness because pole fitness, if you're not making money off of it is expensive. And so, um, anyways, I had a girlfriend make a joke about, you know, you could be a stripper or you, you could get paid to do this. And she was really just joking. Cause later when I did decide to go into doing that, she was kind of like bothered by it. She was like, Oh, that was like a joke. (laughs) Um, but to me, you know, I had been through like trying to work two jobs as a single mom, just having no money, being super unhappy, being beyond a level of stress that I could humanly deal with. And so I just had an epiphany. It felt like in that moment, it just felt very clear to me that it was funny that she made that joke. And then I was like, I'll call myself Molly Mormon. But then I just was like, so after that, absolutely determined to do it. And so I did that and it was extremely hard. I found a club locally, which I had, you know, had heard about, you know, knew that it existed and um, it was super hard, but it was so fulfilling. It was so, it felt so good to like feel liberated in this way. You know, Mormon culture is a lot about sexual repression, specifically of women, of men as well, but you know, more so of women. And and so that my staying in the religion while I danced lasted about six months because I just was kind of like fighting within myself going like, well, I'm not, I can still do this. I can do both. Like, it's fine. And, um, but eventually I was like, I'm so happy doing this. Like, I don't have to work two jobs. I can like work part time and like have a real life and, and like, more time for your child too. more time for my child, more time for the things I want to do more time to like process some of the things I've been through more time, you know, like, so, so yeah, that's kind of how it led to that. And I really just kind of jumped in and, and never really realized it was going to be this long-term career. There was other things I wanted to do. I, I had been an actress. I had a lot of credits as an actress. I had studied film and wanted to, you know, direct film and did some short films and did kind of the film festival scene. Um, so I didn't really know that I was going to like go in this path and stay there. But as a single mom for a lot of those years, like there just wasn't time for anything else. There was just time for me to make the money I needed to make and, you know, take care of, of my daughter. So it just was like, you know, ended up being a career for me. I, I remember starting in someone saying negatively about someone who'd been in the industry a long time. They like called them a career. They're like, Oh, that's a career dancer. And they were saying it like rudely. And I remember saying to them, I was like, I, by that time I'd been in like four, four or five years. And I was starting to realize that I was a career dancer and I was kind of like offended. Like, why is there something wrong with that? Why is there something wrong with enjoying and staying in this industry as long as I possibly can? Like, if it's a job I love and I'm making great money, why would you shame that? Why would you act like there's something wrong with someone right. who doesn't just and use it as care a transitional? Right. And what people don't yeah. seem to realize is a lot of times it was some sort of hardship that has brought people to sex work. Now, like you said, um, you have more time with your family. You didn't get the support and things that I, I had two different, I had two kids and I was without child support. So I chose to dance and 
I'm a life, I call it a lifer for me. Um, I'm personally a lifer in the adult industry because yes, I make money, I enjoy it. And of course I've tried other things. And sometimes the door, did you ever try after you started dancing, doing something else? And did anybody give you a hard time when you did try going into a different field? I had, I dislocated my knee once on stage, like my first year. And I had to put my patella back in place myself. So that was a traumatic injury. Um, and so I took some time off and I ended up trying to be a server, which was also hard being on my feet, but I tried that and I was so, so miserable. I was like, just, and so what I ended up, I ended up forging a doctor's note a month later saying I could go because they, they wouldn't let me come back to work until I had a doctor's note saying that I was safe to, to do my job. So I ended up forging a note because I was like, I love this. I don't want to do anything else. And I have had opportunities occasionally to like work and film again, mm-hmm. you know, doing different things. But like, I feel kind of spoiled now because I'm like, you want me to go work 12 plus hours? And like, you know, it just, it just doesn't vibe with me the way that it used to. And, and I don't enjoy other things quite as much. I still enjoy the acting a lot because I think as someone who's a performer, like I enjoy that. And I've been able to continue to do some of that. But but yeah, I don't think anyone, do you, did you mean like, did they try to encourage me to leave the industry? Um, I'll give you an example. There was one period of time that I personally, I'll never forget this. I went, I got my real estate license. And at the time I personally like went down to Miami because a majority of my father's side of the family lived there. And I tried doing real estate and I didn't, I was showing my cousin and his then wife a property and she she made the rudest comment ever about, uh, why don't we just look at some for sale by owners, meaning I'm going to be cut out of the whole deal. I'm not going to make money instead of like trusting in me. So they didn't my family never kind of trusted me personally as a stripper um, because I was a stripper, my background. So it was hard for me to do something else, a business like I personally didn't get that support. And I've I've had friends that they've tried other ventures and it was hard for them because people knew their background and they kind of stigmatized them. Yeah. I think like you said, people don't usually like willy nilly go into this industry because they know that that's going to be a part of it. They know that you, people may find out you're a stripper that may, you know, hinder your opportunities in the future. Um, Yeah. I think it's like, there is a desperation to be going, going into it. There has to be because you, you're not going to throw away your whole, you know, reputation, which like, I love strippers and I agree. I love sex workers, but Mm -hmm. it's not the way people generally see them, you know, in the rest of the world, which is why I think it's important for, you know, both of us to have podcasts and for there to be more of a voice. So people can like, understand these are people, these are business people. These are smart people. These are people who have all the same, you know, feelings and like, issues that everyone else does you know yeah no exactly and that's why um my my basis of making this is to humanize but also show the reality for people that are curious because um you know I know people in general are curious but they don't know the realities of everything as a whole now your family um how did they take it when they found out you were stripping and again you've been dancing now for over nine years and through the years how has the your relationship with your family what is it you know how so 
Um, my mom found out because she found, you know, in Utah, you have to get a sexually oriented business license. She likes to be someone who's kind of nosy. She went through my car. She found my license and, and she was, you know, what is this? And very upset. And, you know, I told her what I was doing and, and she ha- was very upset and very, I think, ashamed and then has continued to kind of be that way up, up even till now. I visited her recently and she was like, you know, trying to tell me to go to these trade schools and trying to do this and that. And I kept trying to say, I'm like, mom, I'm going to stay in this industry as long as I can. I'm still doing very well. Like, yes, I'd like to do other things, but like, I just can tell in the way she talks about it, you know, I meet her friends and she wants to make up these lies about what I do, which is just not where I'm at. I'm in such a place that I'm like, I love telling people that I'm a stripper. I love being able to talk about it. I love them to have an exposure to something, you know, that could change their idea of what that is. And, and maybe I enjoy the surprise element too, but anyways, um, my dad was super sweet. I have a very lucky story in that area. He just was kind of very, very Mormon, but, but someone who was what I'd consider, you know, Christ-like if they're, if they're trying to emulate, you know, the qualities of Christ, he really, tried to never say anything that made me feel judged. He just tried to say things like, you know, I heard what you're doing. Your mother told me, and I just want you to be happy. And you know, I want, I don't want to ever do or say anything that could alienate you. And so I had a really good experience with him. The rest of my family, um, the sis, my sisters, I have three sisters and one of my sisters is a stripper. So of course she's handled that very well because I, you know, she, she never cared. Do about you guys that. ever work together? Um, she cocktailed at my, my club now for a while while I was uh-huh. training her to be a dancer. Um, I actually don't think we've had any crossover dancing, but we've had crossovers like at places we've worked and things. Um, but yeah, so, and my other two sisters, I think it bothers them but they like to try and be kind about it. They'll even go as far as to like ask us, me and my other sister about work and let us, you know, talk about that and the challenges and and kind of what's going on the way you would with family and their life, you know? Um, But other family members tend to more just pretend I don't have a job. Um, You know, don't want to ask anything about it, avoid the topic at all costs, you know? Um, So yeah, that's been a little bit, you know, of my, you know, telling my family and what that was like. That's very beautiful of your father, what he said. Um, I'm very lucky. Um, I had actually a good relationship with my father too. Um, he knew at one time he tried getting me to get something else, but I had that sort of the similar relationship and he never, he never threw in my faith. And, and, and that's a big concept. A lot of people think we had daddy issues. Like our father wasn't around and you're, yeah. you too, you had your father. Yeah. Yeah. I had a thought on my podcast recently that I wonder if some of the, you know, dancer or daddy issues that are projected onto us often is because some of our customers may have daddy issues. <laughs> and that was just a theory I have, but just that like, I have an experience that the women I know have more daddy issues than other groups of people that I know. So I don't really feel like that holds truth for us. Right. Now, every club I personally have worked at, um, the thing that I loved about stripping the most, and I shared with just before we started is 
I love the family atmosphere in the strip club. Is it like that in uh, Utah? Like there's, it's, you know how you have your club and you work with, and I, I miss that to this day. Um, You know, I had a club and you knew certain girls and it's a different, if people really knew how strip clubs were like the family atmosphere. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's really like a family sometimes. You know, it's very much like a family. And I think, I think a lot of industries are that way. You spend so much time at work and you're exposed to these people. They really are your family. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think I haven't seen that culture at all the clubs. I think there's some part of that. And maybe that I just haven't spent as much time at other clubs. I've spent most of my time at Trails, this club in Salt Lake City. And I've had times where I travel danced or I tried other clubs or I I did other things. I quit twice there and then I came back and each time it was exactly for that element. You know, a lot of there's dancers that have been there longer than me. There's dancers, you know, that have just been there. They have, you know, a pretty good turnover rate as far as like they don't have a ton of new dancers often. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, those, those women really are my family. They've really seen me at my worst and seen me at my best and have been kind and supportive, you know, to me through all of that. I, I just love them deeply. I really do think of them, you know, as, as family for sure. And I, yeah, that that's kind of, I think people are, would kind of be surprised to realize that that's how we feel about each other. Um and like I said earlier, part of that is because no one else can really relate to a lot of your struggles, you know, like, but the people having the same struggles. Yeah, that's where I felt like with um, stripping, it was the best peer support. And but I would get and you so when you left the club, I personally went through this where I would get bored of the club or I'm sitting there because he'd been there. It's the same people. And I kind of needed a change. And I always would find like a second club or whatever city I was in because I've lived in multiple cities. Um, you need that little bit of a change, but you need to then come back. I've had experienced that, too. And not a lot of people talk about that, too, either. Um, when you traveled, was it because you did feature dancing or it was that experience? Like I said, you just needed a change. I usually just needed a change. Um, I have been featured, but yeah, usually that was just, I was frustrated. Um, I've often been frustrated with the people who run the clubs um, and them not really giving the respect to the dancers who are really the ones dominating the industry Mm -hmm. and not feeling like they're really listening to these women who are so important to the industry, who are like the pillar, like the most important part of the industry, in my opinion. Um, And so I would like kind of go looking for maybe a club that had more of that, but really found more of the same thing, just that, you know, there's typically a lot of problems in management in all the clubs that I've been to. (laughs) Um, and, And not, and that respect for dancers is like not really there. There's a lot of like toxic, you know, it feels like things happening between owners, management and dancers, which I get worried even talking about this, but I'm also like, it is what it is. And if anyone wants to come and talk to me about it, I'm happy to talk to them and be like, these are the issues I'm having. These are the issues I've been telling you I'm having, you know, like, but, but yeah. So when I realized that, that that element wasn't going to change, of course, I wanted to be back with the women that I knew the best and like cared about the most and had spent the most time with and, worked well with which is also something I'd love to mention which is the fact that these women 
I would say in my mind are evolved enough to be able to have these kind of friendships when huge amounts of money are being thrown around, you know, like, and that competitiveness could absolutely tear us apart. Like the idea that they're, that we, and that they're capable of having these long-term friendships is like wild to me. Like, we could be really catty. We could be really shitty and we're not, we try our best to work as a team and like uplift everyone and not, you know, fuck each other over. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's the thing about strip clubs that, because I've done other aspects that I miss. Um, for instance, when the pandemic closed down, all of a sudden everybody got on OnlyFans and it's turned into a royal mess. <laughs> like, and, and um, like, for instance, I did Exotica DC this weekend and I'm, I, I pay for my own booth. So, cause I'm promoting more of my brand, promoting my podcast and then passes a couple and a, and a guy's like, Oh, you need to follow my wife. She's the house mom, house home mom, or it was a weird name. It was a weird, one of these weird, you know, Mel for mom or whatever names and I'm like, well, maybe, and I just said kindly, I said, oh, maybe you should get a booth next year. And hit, and the, and they were like, they were kind of cocky and they're like, we're, she's at a 1.4%. And I'm like, cause with OnlyFans, that percentage, it's so weird to me because now you've got OnlyFans and you've got this percentage, but I used to dance and let's say I had a night off. One of my girlfriends would be like, yeah, it was a slow night. I made only three, you know, or I made two or you know, you know what I'm saying? They'd tell you the truth, but you'd be like, oh, okay, well, at least you made that. And, and we would be like happy our friend made something, you know, we would like, or if one of our friend was down and out, it's just a whole different dynamics of sex work going on. And the strip club was, we have all this money, all these customers, but with your, the other strippers, you, you know, you call a friend in if somebody's got a lot of money, or if you're done with a guy, you go tell this girl, you go, you put her on. It's like a, a brotherhood, a unity where the, uh, I, I want to say we're like the firefighters of the union or something. I don't know what, what other um, way to call it with strippers, but the way strippers unite is like no other, you know what I mean? You know, I'm wondering if it's because it's so personal, like online, you might know people, but it's not like you see them and look them in the face every day. Right. You know? I think that's like, what it is too, because you know, um, I don't know how many baby showers or parties or friends, you know, like um, I always would go to birthday parties. It would be a stripper's kid or whatever, or, or we would have uh, would sit picnics or just do things together. And you're right. It's because day to day you're going in, you're talking to the people in their face. You see for yourself also with the strip club, you see, you see, you watch other people, you see who's getting dances, you see who's there's nothing to forge. There's nothing to fake in the strip club. And I think with the ad, with the invent of OnlyFans, which was good, it was, it was good that, you know, it happened because again, it, that took away the negative part of the strip club because now you're not dealing with the management or bouncers shaking you down, but it, it, yeah. it just brought, I don't know. I felt like it brought out like uh, a different type of ugly that I've seen in sex work. And I've seen this type of ugly with escorts too, um, where there's no unity, you know, like the strippers have, and that unity is so important and it's, it's beautiful thing. And it's great. Um, you know, that not a lot of people, that's why I love, you know, when I meet other strippers, like we always get along, 
long as we, we get it. I get it. Everything you're saying, I totally understand about, um, and I've actually, me personally, I've sued like three strip clubs. You've sued? I've actually sued. Yeah. I've sued um, Spearmint, but I know. I've sued Sapphires and there was a club in California because of this, what your, the issues you've talked about. Um, when I was in Vegas, it was getting really bad where they want the house fee up front. I was getting shooken down by bouncers. Um, and then a club in California, like literally I was extorted one night when I didn't make any money at all and I had enough. And I just went, you know, there was a point where I just stood up and I sued. but the biggest issue I've had um, besides the two best clubs I've ever worked at in stripping was the management, not the girls. Like I didn't have any yeah. issues with the girls. Like the girls were great. Um, like you said, it's the management and the owners and um, do the clubs you work at, have they been primarily corporate clubs or private owner? Um, private owner. I don't oh, think there okay. is, there's been one that was more of a chain and there was three and even my club had an, a sister club at a time. Um, so there's one that has two and then, yeah, the rest are just owned, you know, personally. Oh, okay. I per- when I, I noticed the two best clubs I ever worked at, um, which was crazy horse two. It's no longer with us, um, in Vegas. And then it was, uh, Mons Venus in Tampa. They had private owners and both of them, um, were ran superb but whenever I went to the corporate clubs that's where I had way more of the issues like the bounce the bounce that was for me you know that was me my stripper career lifetime but um you know what other cities have you danced in besides Utah I I haven't danced a ton outside I've only done like San Francisco um LA and um, Nevada, but not Vegas, just because mm-hmm. I, I have friends that have worked Vegas. And I just don't think I have the hustle for Vegas. Like, I'm used to smaller clubs with, you know, less women, and, and not really that kind of like shark type of personality. Right. Like, I don't, I don't have a lot of that. Um, and I think you've got, got to really be aggressive to, to work at some of the clubs where I've heard there's been like 100 girls or something. And I'm like, I do not want to do that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I've kind of had very limited experience travel dancing just because anytime I have ventured out to do it, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's not really my thing. You right. know, like I've had good experiences, different places, and I've gotten to meet interesting people, but I usually just like always just kind of want to be back, you know, in my comfort zone and back where, you know, I have my regulars. So I, I typically know I'm going to make decent money because I've been there so long and I have these relationships that have gone on for so long. So, so yeah, limited travel dancing experience for sure. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's understandable. Um, do you have a favorite city that you've have visited before that you're like, that you just absolutely like going to or not really? Um, I enjoyed San Francisco quite a bit. I danced at the Condor and mm-hmm. there was a lot of his, history at the Condor um, which I, I really like. I like learning about the history of strip clubs and sex work. It's so fascinating. Um, so I really enjoyed that. That would probably be the one that I have enjoyed the most and that I worked at, you know, a couple times, like a handful of times. The Condor, what was the history of that one? Because I know, um, I don't, I never danced um, in San Francisco. So I'm curious. Yeah, one of the things was that like, they, it was kind of the notorious place that used to lower someone down on a piano. 
um, like a, a dancer, sexy, you know, like woman. And then there's even folklore that like someone died during like one of those types of like things. So I think it's like notorious in that way. But also there's culture things there that are really enjoyable. Definitely things that are not in Salt Lake. Like, for example, on the weekends, the customers have to dress up. You know, you're not allowed to come in if you're not, you know, dressed really nice. And then um, they also sweep the money off the stage for you, which I enjoyed. You know, like it just felt, you know, kind of classy. And yeah, but yeah, I think a lot of the clubs there have some interesting history from what I remember. Oh, nice. I never got a chance to, um, but that sounds so interesting as San Francisco were saying. I know there was one called um, Brothers Farwell. Oh, I can't think of the name now. I'll think of, probably think about it later when I'm off the, um, the, there was one that everybody, it was like a Brothers or something Brothers. I forgot. I don't even know. I don't know that one, but have you heard of the Lusty Leopard? No. Um, it was, I think it went up, up until the nineties before it closed, but it was actually one of the first, no, it wasn't one of the first, it was the first like unionized strip club, like the bouncers and the dancers, um, co-owned it. And, um, I thought that was really interesting and some good history there. Oh, wow. I would love to see like some sort of stripper union or something, um, because people don't realize that we don't get health insurance. Yeah. And that, that's what actually led me. Um, I was stripping in Vegas and um, I had like, I still have a lot of back issues, but um, it was before Obama. Cause I remember then the Obama plan came in and got my insurance, but I discovered um, background work with acting screen actors guild. And then I found, I, I played a stripper in something or a porn star and I met a girl that got her health insurance playing a stripper. And I was like, what? Like, there's a job for that. And that was my way out of stripping. So I actually got, next thing you know, I got my Screen Actors Guild card. So um, that was my way out because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to pay all this money now for health insurance. I can just work and eventually qualify. But that's, it's something that's much needed. We need to be able to get health insurance because, you know, it's, it's taxing on our body you know, we're wearing. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. Um, Did you hear about the club that it sounds like they did have success unionizing in LA? I think it's called the Hollywood club or something. Oh, I know which one, you know what? It's in North Hollywood. It's called something garden. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I used to live around the corner from that club. Wow. And God, I can't think of the name, but I know which, I know where it is. In fact, I even applied one day and the guy told me the worst thing ever because when the first year I lived in LA for 10 years. So in 2009, when I first moved to LA, I see this club, something garden, I have to look it up um, in Google, but um, it was right around, uh, let me see strip club, North Hollywood, Google that. But uh, it was round, right around the corner from where I lived. And I walked up there and I was talking to like a manager and he right away, he, um, he goes, oh, yeah, you can work here, but you know, you're going to make just about $50 a night after tip out. And I was like, why is he telling like hype it up a little bit and uh, like, why are you scaring me out of this strip club already? 
And so then I, it's Star Garden. That's what it is, Star Garden. And um, okay. I never, I remember I, I could have walked there. So I was like, oh, cool. Let me see about this club. And that's the club. Yep, there it is right off Lancashire. And um, I never went back because the manager scared me right away. So I know they yeah. were, I'm looking at the reviews. Um, there's somebody saying it's filthy. Somebody, they're giving it five star. The dancers, oh, to hell with the picket lines. I'll have to go read research about that. But then I heard when I moved to New York, I moved to New York right before the pandemic. I heard all the stuff um, that they were trying to fight for their rights or whatever, the secret garden. But I, I did go and apply there a long, long time ago. But I was kind of like the manager's like, he was ready to hire me. But I remember him telling me, you'll make $50. And at the time, I, that would have been my daycare babysitter. So I was like, well, if he's telling me this is all I'm going to make and that's going right to the babysitter, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't make any sense for me to be here. I got to cover the sitter. So that's another thing that people don't realize we pay house, pay babysitter. If, you know, our kids, not all of us had um, family. Have you run across this as a stripper? And I've run across this and I, this is the only reason I didn't tell anybody I was a stripper because I would have people like jack up prices on me have you encountered that people thinking because you're a stripper all of a sudden they could charge you double I have had people that yeah I've been exposed to like that or even like family members or like friends you know who like (sighs) don't consider that like yes I make very good money but sometimes I don't make any money um but kind of like assume or yeah, like kind of expect certain things from me because they're like, oh, you're a stripper, you got stripper money. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that people don't get because out of the money we make, we have to pay our taxes. And then we don't, you know, and then if you have a day, a week where you're not feeling that great or your body's hurting, you you have to put aside the money for a rainy day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people don't seem to on um have you encountered um, any incidents with drugs or, um, drinking too much, any sort of addictions or your, um, like me personally, or like mm-hmm. exposure to you, you personally, um, I'm pretty anti-drug cause I grew up Mormon. So part of that's just in my culture. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things I, I didn't really let go of. Um, but that's also because I had two brothers that ended up heavily in the drug scene one of whom overdosed and died. And so I'm kind of have gotten more comfortable being exposed to it because that's such a huge part, I think, of of the culture and strip clubs, you know? So, but that took me a long time to like be comfortable with that. Um, I have struggled with my own addictions with, I did end up drinking a lot. I got sent home once for drinking at work. Mm-hmm. Um, which my first year I didn't do at all because I was told that was, you know, not okay. And then I went to another club where it wasn't only okay. It was like very encouraged. And so I definitely had times where like, you know, I was, you know, bringing in like a little water bottle or something of something and just drinking it throughout the night. And as a dancer, like, um, particularly the way I dance, I would burn it up very quickly, you know, because I was being very active. Um, but yeah, I, I did get to points where I decided I didn't really want to drink at work. I, you know, I kind of tried to never really do that anymore. 
And if I do, it's like one or two. And then I keep it at that. And I stopped keeping alcohol at my house because I was feeling like I was drinking a lot at home. Um, and then my, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this just because I'd like to share about it. But this was actually before I started stripping. I had like um, bulimia food addiction types of behaviors. Yeah. And I had to do, you know, therapy and read all kinds of books about it. But at the end of the day, the, what tipped the scales for me was getting into an industry where I was so physical and I was getting the exercise I needed, which helped my depression, which helped, you know, I just had this domino effect of helping my life. And, um, and I never relapsed on that. So that was one of my addictions that, you know, was really killing my health, you know, was really destroying my so peace in of mind essence, and my health. Stripping helped you because it's a, an active job. You're on your feet. It actually yeah. helped you get over bulimia. Absolutely. It was absolutely a defining thing because at the end of the day, I think part of addictions is you trying to cope with things that that you can't really cope with. And I was trying to cope with working two jobs and not having enough money and not being happy in the jobs that I was in. And so when I found something that was fulfilling, when I found something that wasn't stressing me out beyond, you know, reason, yeah, it absolutely and it was so bizarre because I started dancing and I just never relapsed again. Never, not wow. once. And I was like, that's wild. Like, yeah. So, so I haven't struggled with like any, you know, addictions besides that while dancing and the alcohol. Yeah. But I've been exposed to a lot and I've had a lot of family members, like I said, that I've kind of struggled in my relationships with them because I have had a lot of exposure to addiction. Wow. So. I like that, that you, you, something very positive came out, you know, it came out of this. Yeah. That's very yeah. good. Um, now I have to bring up, because this was the one key that when I, when you made this comment, I was like, I wanted to interview this woman. And I said, basically, uh, I liked it when you said, I cannot do this career forever. Um, and you made a point of that. Uh, I, it's very rare. I've seen, you know, I, now you see all these articles and people talking, they're going to be in sex work. Nobody really says that and admits to that. And of course, I feel like they have beginner's luck the first couple of years, but then after a time period, then you start to realize, Hey, I can't, I can't do, keep on doing this. And when I was, when I first started stripping, I realized that, and I kind of was, that's when, why from the get go, when I was young, I think I was more on top of my bills than I am today. But it was weird. Like, I knew that right when I was like 18 years old, I was like, I can't keep on doing this forever. This is going to be really taxing and tiring. Look at me now, I'm still in the business somehow. But um, would you please share what, you know, how you feel about that? Because I think that's very important for people to hear. And the, the reality is of why you can't keep on doing it forever. And, you know, how is it yeah. possible? You know, the strain mentally alone. I feel like is part of why, like, I, I feel like it is incredibly difficult mentally and emotionally. Um, and of course, physically. And, and yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why you can't go on it forever. Maybe you won't be as marketable anymore. Maybe you physically just can't do it. You know, it could be any number of reasons. Um, and so what I try to do and what I, I'm hoping other women in the industry will do is, is that you should always have a plan B like 
for anything. I think in any industry, you should be thinking like, you know, how can I have multiple streams of income and how can I expand and like what other things can I invest in, you know, real estate or, um, you know, any other kind of investments and just be thinking ahead and planning for, you know, the inevitable thing, which is that you won't always be able to do this. And that there's, and we're not the only, that's not exclusive to our industry. There's lots of other industries that, you know, have a time frame that you can, can do that, have an expiration date. You know? A lot of hairdressers because of their arms. I've heard of that happening. Yeah. I, my sister's a hairdresser and yeah, like I, I hear that. I think there's, yeah, a lot of things like that. Um, what I would hope to see and like, am trying to be a part of right now is that I really would love to see more of these dancers retiring and opening their own clubs because they have so much knowledge and they have so much to offer the industry. And so, you know, I hope that groups of these women that, that really love the industry and want to see it continue and have success, you know, are kind of moving in those directions of like, well, how would we buy a club or how would we open our own club and what would that look like? And what would that take? Um, because it's, I think that's good because it's hard to spend so much time in industry and then leave it and be like, so I got all of that knowledge and all of that experience, like for what, for nothing. Um, and I just think that would solve a lot of these owner management problems is to have women who really have been in this industry and know their shit, you know, know what it's like on that end and could treat, you know, the new dancers, the way that they, you know, I think deserve to be treated. Um, but yeah, those are some of my thoughts on, you know, the difficulties. Was there anything specific you wanted to know about that? Oh, no, you nailed it. You nailed it. In fact, um, you know what? One, the very first club I started at Mons Venus in Tampa, he would make all female managers and generally all of the managers used to be a stripper. I'm seeing more of that and I'm loving uh, it. I like it, too, because they don't... Um, The only thing I could say that was negative about that particular club, um, there wasn't the craziest amount of cattiness at that. The only negative thing I could say about Mons Venus is um, because it was a big, big money making club way back when there was a lot of the girls were really, really. That was probably the most cattiest club I ever worked at, Um, but I got along. But some of the managers, some of the managers could be a little bit catty because just, you know, they're women in general. Um, but they, again, it was more, I don't know, some of them we called mom. It was very family oriented and you couldn't get over stuff. So I think it's great when clubs do hire for managers, ex, you know, dancers. And I encourage that because yeah, you can't pull no wool over our eyes. Yeah. And yeah, it can't be that, you know, all ex-dancers are going to be the best managers or all ex-dancers are the best people, you know, like that's just not a reality, mm-hmm. but overall, I think it's a good direction to move in. And, and I'm seeing that at my club and I'm really enjoying that really just, and it, you know, it's not perfect, but it's better. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that sounds um, totally I think cool. having men in positions of power at strip clubs, like just doesn't, I would love to see that work, but I haven't really seen I've seen it work somewhat, but at some point there always comes into the power dynamics, you know, between a man being in charge and that there's women kind of below him and that, and that that gets messy and that, that gets, you know, um, there could be a lot of 
taking advantage of, you know, in those situations and yes. what I've seen. And I've seen male managers where they like a particular girl of a particular look, you know, like <laughs> I've seen that too, where like he'll only hire a certain type of girl because that's what he, you know, there was a manager, actually he liked me. He was the only manager I really didn't have issues with. His name was John in uh, Vegas, the Spearmint Rhino. And at the time I was blonde, but um, he did like all blondes and he was, I didn't have no issue with him, but he had, I remember a preference. And I've noticed that sometimes these managers have their personal preference. Oh yeah. I think there's a ton of that in the industry happening. Yeah. And then Um, you see a female manager and you see a variety of girls. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think they're, they know the business and they know that like, not everybody likes the same things. Like it's pretty narrow minded to like, just hire people you think are attractive when, you know, there's a whole wide world of things that people are attracted to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on Get Schooled. Could you let my um, listeners know um, where they can find you on social media and you can go ahead and plug in your podcast too. Yeah. um, Molly the Stripper is my Instagram page. That's, you know, the main social media I do because I'm not that great at social media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But my podcast is called Ask the Stripper and people just send in questions and I answer them. And they can be about the industry or about me personally. And I just do my best to to answer them as honestly as I can. Um, So yeah, those are my plugs. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on Get Schooled. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. You're welcome.